0: Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex LaHue, and I'm a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. You know, we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus' followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways to do this is by reading God's Word, the Bible, and talking about it. Not just reading, but having conversations about it, uh, taking on the tough questions, and this is one way that we believe we we get to grow spiritually, and we're using a three-year Bible reading plan that kind of goes through the Bible chronologically in order to help us grow up and uh, in our faith and talk about it. So, today on the show, we have David Wendeborn. David, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Good morning, Pastor Alex. Um, thank you for uh, the invitation for the podcast discussion. Um, my name is David Wendeborn. I'm a... Uh, uh, living in bernie Uh, my wife Lori and i moved here about eight years ago Uh, i grew up in nebraska well actually Lori and i both grew up in nebraska Uh, i was born on the east coast in the naval base while my dad was a submariner and uh, we moved back to nebraska and i've been out to the west coast while dad was in school but ended up in nebraska growing up and then uh, moved to texas uh, in the early 70s to go to physical therapy school and been down here ever since uh, Lori and I lived in Houston for uh, 40-some years and uh, had two kids, Alex and Drew. They're grown adults now and off on their own. And Lori and I moved to Bernie about eight years ago and joined Messiah right after we moved here and just have been loving it ever since. So,
0: Cool. There we go. Awesome. Well, I learned some things about you in that short snippet, so that was awesome. Uh, good to be here with you today. And today we're going to cover the readings that um, go from June 13th to June 19th in our reading plan uh, so let's do a quick overview of what's going on here at Joshua chapters 11 through 19 David why don't you tell us about uh, what's going on
1: that has been interesting to read and and uh, kind of to get to this point Israelites who could get finally got out of Egypt uh, got away from Pharaoh across the Red Sea they they finally made it up to the promised land that they've been looking forward to getting to for for many many years uh, the tribes, uh, Moses gets there and the, the tribes of Reuben, Gad and Massa- Manasseh get assigned uh, some property or inheritance on the uh, east side of the uh, Jordan River. And then um, Joshua is given uh, command uh, to move into the promised land while Moses is not allowed to go in. And so Moses dies and Joshua starts his conquest. He's taken over the southern uh, portion of the of Canaan. Uh, and God's now guiding him to take over the northern sections and uh, in this in these chapters uh, those those battles take place and then Joshua gets to assign the land of inheritance on the west side of the Jordan after the battles so that's a kind of an over quick overview of what I what I recall reading.
0: Nice. All right. So is there anything in particular that stands out to you in this section of Scripture?
1: You know, it's uh, interesting uh, just looking back of of, of what the Israelites must have been going through and and what they were looking forward to and and the time frames that they were uh, looking at. You know, Abraham was promised this inheritance, you know, I don't know, a couple, three, four hundred years ago, however long it was. And these Israelites have been in captivity all this time and they finally made it out of the Exodus. They've gone through all this peril and uh they're they're on the promised land and lo and behold they gotta fight their way through to get to their land of inheritance so the the thing that struck me most was just how brutal this was i mean i grew up in the vietnam era and uh, grandfather was in world war ii and captured in the bulge and all the korean war and all the battle that goes on and all the all the the riots in the streets in the sixties and all those things that went on were just so depressing. And now to read this book about all the battles and it's, it's glorious from a Joshua standpoint, but I I found myself thinking about all of the, the the destruction that must've happened there. And the, the terms that keep keep coming up in these chapters were devoted. Joshua was devoted to destruction and none were left breathing and just seemed really brutal to me. Um, the uh, the The tribes got their inheritance, but they they had to fight tooth and nail to get there and then even after the fights they still had fighting to do so those the intensity of that was just kind of um, striking to me
0: yeah um and we kind of talked about that a little bit uh in some uh, I know some previous episodes that's come up. It's definitely a topic. Uh, especially in the book of Joshua, because the book of Joshua does detail all of these conquests in the land of Canaan and how God uh, says you are to to show no mercy, you're to devote things to destruction. Now, some sources and and scholars, there's some argument out there as to uh, whether this is... uh, hyperbole, which is like an exaggerated statement of, um, uh, you know, saying like Jesus used hyperbole a lot. He said, uh, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Uh, or if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He, he's not saying that we should go around maiming our bodies because if we did that every time that, you know, we were caused to sin, uh, by our hand or our eyes, uh, or even our mouths. Then, uh, in, in another, the point is that we 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 wouldn't be able to live. Uh, and, and so he he's using that extreme exaggeration to uh, get his point across. Now, some might argue that when God says devote everything to destruction, that he's uh, using hyperbole. I don't know. Um, there's. There's also some evidence that, that uh, shows very clearly that they they really did uh, kill everyone in the cities. They only took, uh, like, you know, animals and, and treasure and things that they could use. Uh, but at the same time, you also have incidents where they didn't destroy everyone. Or there are in- instructions in uh, Deuteronomy um, where it talks about, okay, when you go into these cities... Uh, you need to kill these people, but these young women who haven't been married or have had any relationship with anyone, you can take them in, and uh, they can be adopted as part of the the family of Israel. Um, Yeah, some of the sideline
1: reading I was doing about the different perceptions that um, different theologians had about some of them even thought that they could have very passively gone in and just kind of mingled and— you know, moved into the area and to, to kind of push it out, kind of like, you know, people in, are moving into England or cities and, and start taking over neighborhoods just by existing. So right. it was interesting to see some of the different approaches that they were mentioned.
0: Yeah. And, um, and another thing that I they often point to, you know, a, a big principle that we uh, abide by here on the podcast and just in our uh, community, uh, our Christian community, uh, when we're looking at the Bible together, and looking at the Bible together is always a good thing uh, rather than uh, doing it alone, but even when we study alone with the study Bible or looking at what other theologians or scholars say, that is using the Christian... Christian community to help us interpret God's word, uh, with, with the right lens, a, le- a right view of that. And, um, a good principle to abide by is, is always looking to the clearer passages to help you interpret the, the less clear ones. And so, you know, I look to like Rahab and her household is, uh, completely saved. Um, because, and God has, has mercy on her. And actually she is, repents uh she she seeks mercy and a lot of times you know in these the earlier accounts before they even get to uh the promised land you know there's a lot of of talk about the the israelites um uh, coming into the land and, and people are starting to get worried and and whatnot and so i guess when i look at that i see that as an opportunity for repentance you know they are they are uh seeing, you know, the people of Jericho saw the the Israelite nation outside of their city, and they had heard the stories and everything. And uh, I kind of see that as, well, here's an opportunity. Jericho, they could come out and say, we surrender, uh, we repent, and we acknowledge that your God is the true God. And so I think that opportunity is there. Now, then again, I might be digging in between the lines a little too much um, and trying to justify or uh, maybe defend God or, or reveal things that God hasn't quite fully revealed to us. But even when you think about uh, the story of Cain and Abel, you know, God sent Cain off and he still showed mercy to Cain. You know, he said, I'm, I'm going to protect you. I give you this mark. But he never commanded Cain to never come back. He, he never said to Cain, oh, you can't ever come back to me or you can't return. And I don't know. Um, and I, I kind of see that as, well, God is still giving the opportunity for repentance. And you see that, I think, with the story of Rahab and her household. So, th- so there are those stories and those incidents that kind of point to the mercy of God and the opportunity for repentance as well. But you also see how God really hates sin and evil. And the reason he's driving out these Canaanites is because of their wickedness, because they're engaging in things uh, that are not God-pleasing, like uh, child sacrifice and uh, sexual sins. And uh, he wants his people to be holy and set apart and, you know, not influenced negatively by all these things. Uh, and to us, it, it, it does kind of seem really harsh. It, it, it's really brutal. And that's true. Um I think also, though, you know, this is a particular historical context. And uh, in, in those days, this isn't necessarily um, trying to, to trying to justify uh, these killings necessarily. But, you know, God can uh, do what he wants and he's enacting his justice on these people in a particular point in history in a particular way. Um, and in those days the cultural context was of conquest you know people kind of kind of like you said you know people sometimes just took over by existing somewhere or uh and you know that was that was the way people lived uh in those times as well so those well, are some thoughts that i have they're con-
1: I, their conflicting cultural values obviously were of impact and and uh uh god god directing them because of the cultural differences in, in particular
0: yeah. relative to him
1: uh, he didn't have a choice <laughs> so, right yeah. yeah
0: um so yeah i mean i think we brought up some things that concern us a little bit because you know even though i think there's a lot of good evidence and uh, within just the scripture itself and also with uh, sh- scholarly work that we receive outside of uh, of just what's on the surface of reading the Bible, even though there's a lot of good evidence that you know uh, God is is right in doing this, that um, you know that kind of uh, it explains why things were done the way they were done. I, I, I do think it it clearly gives us pause, and it should. Uh, Take us back for a second uh, because, you know, it is a, it is a brutal thing. Um, and when God deals with sin, it's dealt with in a very uh, harsh and brutal way. I mean, look at Jesus on the cross and uh, God's full wrath and full punishment were given to Jesus on the cross. And so I I, I like to point to to Jesus on the cross because, you know, his full wrath and punishment is being given to Jesus. It's not even, the full wrath and punishment of God isn't even being enacted on these Canaanites, uh, really, Um, because he still allowed, even before the Israelites got there, he allowed them to inhabit land that I think Abraham was originally in, and then he told Abraham to go away and said, I I'll give this land to you and and uh and so by doing that he allowed these people to live their lives as they they wanted he um but at any time God can do whatever he wants like you know um so I don't know those are some things that I think about uh but I I do think it should give us pause and 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 cause us to say well you know how can I examine myself and I I think I'm sure that the Israelites uh were uh taken aback by that a little bit too sure i've
1: got another question that came up when i was looking at this and and it was it was a comment that oh in chapter 11 uh it said god hardened their hearts and reminded me of like the comment he made about pharaoh and so you know it that was kind of a tough uh, not a concern but it was like ooh, you know that that question about you know i thought god was loving and and uh you know the the you know love your neighbor kind of process that jesus brings to us and live in harmony with others and you know you know, feed your enemies don't hate your enemies those kind of concepts were were kind of opposing this position that god took with the uh uh, people the canaanites at that time like they locked up the doors of jericho and people didn't go in and didn't go out because they were scared but like you said to your point they could they could have come out and said, "Hey, let's let's live together. Let's get together." Like yeah, the Gibeonites or the hip yeah, Hibites the, the
0: Gibeonites definitely did that. They did it in a little bit of a clever and kind of de- deceitful, deceitful way, yeah. and yet yeah. God still had mercy on them. He didn't say, "Okay." Uh, Well, the Israel (laughs) God told the Israelites, "You didn't consult me first, and that would have been a good idea." (laughs) Um, But even though the Israelites sinned in doing that, God still had mercy. I think He still works His goodness and mercy uh, despite um, the hardening of hearts and despite uh, the brokenness that, or the way that people try to deceitfully work. Uh, their plans into place. I mean, look at the story of Jacob and Esau. You know, uh God worked through the, the deceit of Jacob and, and still blessed him and, and stuck with him. And and I, I can see how he's doing that uh even with the Gibeonites. I mean, even Rahab was shrewd in how uh-huh. she got blessed, you know. Um I think there's even some incidents in this section of scripture where where somebody I think it's maybe in the allotment of land, maybe with like uh, somebody related to Caleb. They they say, well, uh, give me what else do you what do you want? And they say, well, give me a blessing. And so, you know, Jacob wrestled with God and and said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Uh, God allows us to kind of wrestle and struggle with him. Uh, and he sticks with us, even when we we question, like, why did you harden those people's hearts? I thought you were a loving God. Uh, But something I've heard uh, in regard, especially like in regard to Pharaoh, is that, um, you know, when we look at the broader narrative of Scripture, God desires all people to be saved. He doesn't desire the death of the sinner, but that the sinner would turn and live. And a, a big... Uh, reasoning for you know even the hardening of Pharaoh's heart just heart is, is that uh, Pharaoh was already uh, rejecting God and turning away from God uh, he was and what we see in scripture is that if we turn away from God it's 100 percent our responsibility and if we uh, receive God it's 100% because God worked mm-hmm. um, so I mean the Honestly, yeah, we have to admit like okay, if if somebody is rejecting God, then uh then the the spirit is not is not uh there. The spirit is being resisted uh somehow and, and we're kind of getting on the fence between uh with uh things that we we can't really answer fully. Um, and, and these may be things that we always, uh, struggle and, and wrestle with, but
1: those, those are the concerns that typically come
0: up. Aren't yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and even in Romans, I think it's, uh, Romans nine, maybe uh, God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and, um, I will harden who, who, whoever's heart that I, that I want to, you know, cannot the, can't the potter say to the clay, um, uh, you know, I'm the one who made you, and and can he not use people uh, for for his purposes? But you know, bigger, bigger plan, yeah, yeah. Bigger plan. yeah. So I think that's always going to be something that uh, we as Christians uh, m- will struggle with. I think a lot of uh, people who don't believe in this stuff really struggle with that, and that's a big, um, that's one of the biggest. Argument or reasons for not believing in the Christian faith, um, I think. Um, but I think as a Christian community, one of the best witnesses is to not um, try to defend God too much. We don't need to defend God. Uh, we don't need to say more than we can. Uh, we just try to uh, take what we we've been what's been revealed to us in Scripture, and we can be honest with those who who who. Uh, don't believe in this and say you know what i struggle with this as well Um, but when it comes down to it it's it's a matter of trusting god and and letting god be god because his ways are higher than our ways and as he says you know my thoughts are not your thoughts Um, the bigger like
1: to your point of standing back and looking at the bigger picture and the overall right uh, if you get down into the minutiae it's it's Tough to understand, and so having a bigger understanding of the whole uh is right. is helpful but uh it's tough sometimes to look at the detail
0: yeah, yeah, it definitely is so um anything else that stands out to you or uh that was concerning or confusing, anything else that you uh found interesting
1: no, those are kind of the big things that really stuck on my mind yeah. i mean other than the confusing part was. I have a tough time keeping up with the geography. So reading through the cities and the locations without the maps uh, available, it's tough to know (laughs) what they are talking about. And even then they don't even show you everything on the map that is mentioned in the, in the scripture. I kind of breeze through that and kind of look at the maps as an overall. And uh, rather than, you know, I I reckon it to Okay. If I went to uh, France and was driving around trying to figure out where I was and what city was and not knowing the lay of the land, I would be lost. Well, it's kind of like reading this. It's not being there and not seeing it. It's. It, I'm sure they understood it, and that's the way they communicated it. But for us, that's kind of tough to read through.
0: Yeah. So, um, how was that experience for you of, of reading through like the list and the allotment of the land? Um, what I guess takeaway do you have uh, with with all of this? these very detailed description that clearly don't help us as much in visualizing things in the modern day.
1: Yeah. I looked at the maps. I mean, that helped me in, in a, a few of the maps in the study Bibles were online that would, Oh, okay. There's the, there's the brook of Egypt and Oh, there's Gaza and there's Ashdod, and there's, you know, the different cities that they were mentioning. And then the, the study Bibles do a pretty good job of, of having the, uh, the battles and where they were at geographically um and so looking i'm i'm more of a visual person anyway so i see the map and i see the trail of where they went to this city to this city to this city and and can cons- and compare that to what the the scripture in writing is saying so it kind of makes sense but um as as you get to different places the the comments about all oh, different kings or different specifics uh happening geographically it kind of ties it you know to some of the historical archaeological historical kind of connections that we have available today too so it's, it's interesting to be able to look at a map and say oh, okay i know where that is today and here's what was going on then
0: so yeah i think for me you know uh, a lot of times people are like oh this is boring or <laughs> and i mean it it can be uh, i think uh, you know when we when we look at things in, in scripture that make us wonder okay why is this there you know uh, we can you know, we look at the kind of book that it, that it's in. This is a historical book. It's recording things. Um, you know, history was, was very important to the people of Israel because it was important to God. And he, he commanded them to write these things down, to record these things. And this is kind of, uh, some things, you know, this is similar to what we do. You know, we learn the history of our country. Uh, we learn the history of our state or even the history of our family. You know, your, your grand, my grand, my descendant, great, great grandfather somewhere, you know, came eventually crossed over from Canada to Vermont and, you know, all that. Um, and so I, I think an important thing to remember is that this history is now our history because we've been included in the new Israel through Jesus Christ. And the really the the, the big takeaway that I I think about when I I see all of this allotment is, you know, first of all, there's the detail, and uh, it it is God, God um, accomplishing. And fulfilling his promise that he gave to Abraham, and you mentioned Abraham uh, at the beginning, um, and so it, it's finally that time when the promise is getting fulfilled, and and so it, in in that sense, it kind of makes it kind of makes sense that uh, there would be so many chapters devoted to the the act of people actually receiving the fulfillment of the promise promise to abraham their their ancestor um but also you know it's the detail and it kind of contributes to uh to support the argument of the historicity of the bible and how historically accurate it was and how how god cares about the details it's not just that um you know god is god is very actively involved in the lives of his people so down
1: down to the specific cities yeah exactly
0: Yeah. Um, and the other thing I guess I see is actually I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, I just think I it, got it's got another question for you. OK, yeah, go ahead.
1: Confusing me when when the Bible says Canaanites, that kind of I'm, I'm confused. Sometimes it makes me think that they're, they're referring to these seven or eight different. Uh, groups Hittites and Amorites and Persites and Hivites and you know mm-hmm. the, the different heights versus the Canaanites as a specific set of people
0: right that my impression is that when it says the Canaanites, it's referring to uh the vast- v- range uh, and variety of different people groups within the whole promised land.
1: And Canaan is the whole promised land from above Egypt all the way up to Mount Hermon. That whole.
0: Right. That is of
1: Israel. That is,
0: is <laughs> my understanding.
1: OK, that's so, I mean, reading it one place, it sounds like it's a group and then another place. It sounds like it's a specific people or both. So it's right.
0: Right. Yeah. So because I think that, um, you know, Rahab, you know, in the story of Rahab and how they they spy out the city of the land and stay in the right. city of Jericho, and then they take over Jericho. I think it refers to uh, even Jericho as the Canaanites. Um, yeah. Or, you know, in conversation with Rahab. I'm not entirely sure about that off the top of my head, but I my impression is that when it says Canaanites, it's referring to all the different people groups within mm. that land. Um that's Man. how I came to, yeah. came to
1: think of it as I, I mean, it through the, through these another, another, um, um, interesting thought I had while looking at this was where, I mean, the, the Joshua was taking the battle to the, to these different areas. And, and so the East East side of Jordan, you know, Manasseh and Gad and Reuben got this, got this assignment and, and, or half of Manasseh got this land. And then they talked about, um, a third or a half of the army was to still come across and and battle with them. Did the other, other part of the army stand of of Manasseh and Gad and Reuben, did they stay on the, on the East side?
0: I know there were some people that stayed uh, because as they were entering the promised land, they made an agreement. Here's another one of those clever deals that, uh, that people uh, make. Um, They made an agreement with Moses that uh, we'll send our fighting men and our right. army with you to go and conquer the land. And the rest of us will stay behind because we we're we're cool being on this side yeah. of the Jordan. So that, well,
1: that, that made me think about where were all the women and children as, the, as Joshua and the troops are marching around all these Southern and Northern places, right? Where, where were all of these people that came across, you know, I forget however many thousands, millions there were, uh, where do they exist? Did they spread out? Did they group up? Did they, where do they hang out?
0: Yeah. I mean, I know there's, there's some maps that you can look at and kind of see like some of the order of the battles and, and those kinds of things, because, you know, when they were preparing for the battle of Jericho, it says they camped at Gilgal. And right. you also have to keep in mind that they've been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years. So they're pretty used to nomadic life. and, and so you know they would have been, and this land is, uh, you know, God promised them. Hey, you're gonna live off this land. It's gonna be a really, you know, it, that's why it's the promised land. It's it's flowing with milk and honey. It it, um, it's easy to live off the land, and and whenever they had, um, the whole plan was for for the armies to to conquer these these areas, um, devote, you know, the people. Uh, to destruction, and then they take the animals, and they, you know, it even says you're going to live in houses that were not built for you. Mm. Um, and so they kept the cities for the most part intact. There were, I think, I and the city of I or Ie, however you say it, and Jericho are are two clear it's accounts right. of like the cities just completely. Being destroyed, and there's right. all this archaeological debate over where is i and <laughs> and people yeah. are you know wonder about those kinds of things, but I think you know as they began to to conquer the land, you know people would settle into a city like Jericho. they probably settled in around Jericho and around the land of I, and as they began to drive out people, they inhabited those houses and, and cities and settlements and used the the vineyards and farms and animals that they had um, or that were available to them now. And uh, with some of the tribes, they just had their women and children on the east side of the Jordan because that was the agreement that they made. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of... You are right that there were a lot of Israelites. Um, there's a lot of historical evidence that supports almost like... It, to and some some scholars believe there were you know up to a million or even 2 million israelites that eventually came out of egypt and uh there's a, you know the bible is clear that that number dwindled down significantly especially because of the wilderness wanderings mm-hmm. and, right you know killing off the generation that disobeyed god in the first place once they got there the first time so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 yep. years and then all the children got to go in and inherit the land. So,
1: another cool thing talking about food and and you know take a living off the land it was interesting. I remember if it was before or after chapter eleven about when they as soon as they crossed the Jordan had the first Passover the manna stopped and they ah. ate ate from the land. And I thought, oh, cool! I I didn't realize that they had manna. I mean, I thought of manna in the wilderness, but they yeah. had manna up until the point they crossed the Jordan. And right, that was interesting.
0: Yeah, and and that's a really good point, because we often think about, like, oh, manas, like, when they're in the wilderness or in the desert, but, like, and even as a kid growing up, I just remember thinking about manna and quail... Being yeah. <laughs> like this one-time event, you know, right. you, you do the workbook or whatever. I went to a Lutheran grade school and you do the workbook, you learn this story. And in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, one day God uh-huh. did this, but this is how they lived their lives for 40 years. And actually Joshua says at some point uh, that he, it's been 45 years uh, uh-huh. once he started allotting things out. Um, so a little over 40 years and, you know, they've been living off of manna and then just imagining the first time that they uh, are eating off of the land. So that in itself is the fulfillment of the promise. And it, it's interesting because, you know, God, if, if you think about it, God um, is working through creation And he's fulfilling his promise, not just in these events that are happening, but also in their eating and drinking. He fulfills his promise to us, which reminds me of like, you know, Jesus eating with his disciples, uh, instituting his supper at the last supper before he before he dies. Um, It's through it's literally through the vessels of creation, uh, a living human being, a body and blood of Jesus that God fulfills his promise uh and 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 brings grace and and mercy and provision uh to his people uh even yeah, today bread and
1: bread and fish right yeah bread and fish. right yeah
0: so um yeah that's a, that's a really interesting point that you bring up another interesting thing um that i saw was that i think it's the daughters of zebulun yeah yeah um you know Manasseh. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so a lot of people, uh, was it Manasseh? Or...
1: Yeah, one of the daughters, they only had daughters. In,
0: oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And oh. so
1: they got their inheritance, too. That was cool.
0: Yeah, so it was the daughters of some guy, but they were in the tribe of Manasseh. Um, and, uh, yeah, so in those days, you know, men typically inherited things. You know, firstborn sons were the ones you know, that were meant to inherit land or what or the money and, and what not. But it's interesting that this uh exception is made uh when when there are no sons. There are only daughters. And so it really points to um I, I think it points to God's character. That gives me a lot of hope. Um and points to his character as a God who uh, you know, affirms the created order of, of men and women, um, and though and, and their differences and yet, uh, unique gifts and perspectives. Um, this reminds me of how, uh, in some of the gospel accounts, uh, it's, it's often, it, it were, it was women who are recorded to be the first eyewitnesses of mm-hmm. Jesus's resurrection. Right. And, right. uh, it, it just kind of, you know, the Bible is, it, is, is truthful it, it, it's, it, it gives a faithful account even though um, saying something like this like oh yeah we we uh, gave this inheritance to the these daughters and instead of sons because there were no sons or these women were the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus and we're okay saying that even though in those days that would have been uh, grounds for throwing out the uh credibility of the witness or even uh of the recording whatever and whatever it is yeah it was interesting
1: that that they mentioned too when they brought this to to uh, Joshua and the priests attention that the, that hey god, lord told Moses to give us this inheritance so god was watching over them way back when so right. it's in, interesting to see that connection yes. same with Caleb when he had uh, his brother's son he gave him a wife or something, and, and yeah. the, uh, the the wife was bold enough to start asking for the we mentioned earlier the blessing of a spring or a, a deal. Yes, or something. exactly. Step up. Huh.
0: Yeah, so. and so it, it just kind of points to like how, how even we can be bold to ask God for things. Uh, we definitely, you know, dig into His Word um, to keep you know and, and and being connected to the christian community so that we're understanding uh his will and 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 his character and what he wants for our lives overall um and in that understanding we do ask boldly for things uh and we ask for healing we ask for uh blessings and and good gifts in our lives because we know that that's what God is ultimately working toward. It's the total restoration of all things. And even in this account of the conquest and and people, you know, living off the land and and receiving land and asking for more land, it just shows that um, God is, you know, we can look at these Old Testament things and think, oh, God is the God of no. It's don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> but, right. you know, it's important to point to these moments, too, that God is, is, is a God of yes. And uh, even in the beginning of creation, uh, I've heard somebody uh, kind of phrase it this way. You know, he asked a question, what's the first command that God gave to Adam and Eve? And a lot of people might say, oh, don't eat from the tree of, the, of knowledge of good and evil but uh he 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 this person argues that it's actually um go and eat uh go mm. and enjoy mm-hmm. and he he says you can eat from any tree in the garden, and then he says his, his don't, little right? yeah his little don't <laughs> or exception, but before uh, he says no to anything, God says yes yeah um, and so. I think that's important to to point out, especially in the Old Testament, which often gets uh, maybe misrepresented even in our own minds and how we uh, kind of interact with it uh, sometimes or grow up learning about it. Uh, the Old Testament is full of yeses as well. So.
1: It's interesting to see a day-to-day life of an Israelite in that era. That's my, oh my goodness, you know. Yeah but to stand back and see the bigger picture, it's much easier to see much in our lives. Like, you know, when you're 20, you're looking at life differently than when you're 60. So it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, interesting. They, they, I'm sure were reflecting historically back on what had been promised and what had been talked about for all these years and finally to start living it. But then to see, man, we still got to push these people out of the city, even after we've gotten here, you know, right. kind of, <laughs> we're there, but not quite there yet.
0: Right. Right. Well, and that, that is, um, I think that parallels uh, where we're at today, you know. Um, we we see the promised land through Jesus, the promised new heaven and the new earth, the total restoration of all things when he comes back. Um and and growing up, I did not really think about Jesus returning a lot. I just thought about um, oh yeah, when I die I go to heaven. Um, right. And I enjoy that with Jesus. But actually, you know, Revelation tells us, I saw a new heaven and a new earth where the the spiritual and the physical are going to be totally unified as one uh, in a perfect, perfect world uh, that Jesus recreates. And, and, and that's a better picture of heaven for me personally than just sitting on clouds playing the harp, uh, which, right. <laughs> which is the, just really big misrepresentation of, uh, and and I mean, we can just see the kinds of uh, ways that God likes to work in his creation. I mean, even the world that we have today and all its brokenness is still the world that God created. Um, you know, <laughs> I find
1: myself, I find myself thinking, you know, uh, I don't remember if you said this or, or Aaron said this one. I don't remember where, where I heard this one of the sermons somewhere, but you know, our, our, our eternity has already started, and right? At, exactly. As Christians, it's, it's not when we die; it's we've already started, and that yeah. that perspective changes a lot of things. And, and like the Israelites, you know, if I was the bricklayer that didn't get to even leave Egypt because I was beat to death, I I was still looking forward to what was going to be coming down the road. So, right. Mm. Interesting. yeah
0: and just like the Israelites, we are we are still surrounded by the wickedness and uh differences of the world uh than you know the ways and that God wants us to live and and that kind of thing He still wants us to be holy and set apart and live differently and that's a witness to the world as well uh, or tough to, to do some
1: tough stuff to do when you're watching the news some days
0: that is true um, <laughs> so uh, however, he promises that he's going to drive all of that out permanently, just like he did, uh, just like he said for the Israelites. And ultimately, the promise to his people to drive out the wickedness of the land and that total restoration doesn't get fully fulfilled until Jesus comes back. Right. Um, and so we're we're still waiting uh, for that promise. Uh, today even
1: well that's that's the faith that that's the faith that strengthened them and that i Mm -hmm. think that we we gain uh we 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 need to have that awareness of the faith that they had even though the circumstances were bad yeah we live in bad circumstances every day but you you can't look at just that it's you've got to look at the bigger picture and what's to come and 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 faith faith has to carry us through that perseverance that they had we have to have perseverance
0: yeah awesome I like uh, how you you mentioned the bigger picture, and uh, I think that's important to keep in mind. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back shortly. Hey, welcome back to Grow Up and Talk. Um, so now we're gonna we're gonna mention anything that we we dug a little bit deeper into. Um, so David, what did you you find out as you uh, kind of looked into some some things a little bit more?
1: Well, as, as I looked at the, the different details and and as the inheritance was given and the cities were mentioned and when they get to the end of some of those paragraphs <clears throat> talking about. The people, uh, Joshua and, and the armies had wiped out large groups of people, but when they went to inhabit particular areas of their inhabitants, they still had to drive out three sons of Anak that Caleb had, or the Jebusites in Jerusalem had to be driven out, or uh, they they just they couldn't drive all the Canaanites out. So it was interesting that, that it wasn't a one-and-done kind of battle, that, that it was a long process and, and one place that, Uh, I'd mentioned that that, uh, there was a long, long number of years for war, uh, some like seven years or something. They had to do battle. But um, it was just an interesting it it was a process, not a one and done kind of thing. But um, and then the beginning of the inheritance started with Caleb and finished with Joshua. I thought that was kind of nice bookends for them being the spies that that Moses sent out that had the positive aspect of, of what they were looking at in Canaan and uh, they're kind of rewarded during this, this uh, inheritance and, and Caleb gets a city and, and Joshua gets a city. So uh, it was kind of a neat, uh, you know, ribbon on it by the, by the, all the inheritance being done.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, something that I found out was that geographically speaking, Judah, the tribe of Judah received the largest portion of land even though I believe that Judah was one of the smallest tribes numerically uh, in terms of population. You know,
1: that was another question I should have brought up earlier, that uh, the, the distribution of the land—I mean, it was by lot, but when you look at a map and you see what Benjamin <laughs> got and what you get Manasseh <laughs> got on two sides, and, you know, what, what was the— what were the determining factors? Were these big desert areas and these were nice trees and fruit areas? You know, what made a difference in, in what they got assigned? And, uh, it was all by lot, but interesting yeah. to see the difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, God certainly does what he wants, and uh, he ju- He does, um, you know, he, he He made a very clear prophecy and promise to uh, the tribe of Judah, and that definitely shows on the map um, and another thing that that's interesting, you know, a lot of times we, we think of this this area in the Middle East, you know, uh, this promised land, and, you know, we think of Egypt and the Exodus and all that stuff, and Israel wandering in the wilderness, and a lot of times I think of it as all being desert, like everything's a desert, but that's <laughs> not actually what it's like, you know, the, the promised land, that whole area is very fertile. It's very, oh, yeah. uh, good land, uh, for a lot of, uh, different things. And, um, so it wasn't just like <laughs> desert and rocks everywhere. Um, and so that's, that's just something that, uh, I've realized, uh, as I've learned more, uh, that, uh, you know, this is, this land was, was really, really good. It, you know, even the land that Jesus, this is the land that jesus walked in his life and ministry and it was not. yeah
1: google maps and google earth are really cool to look at some specific sites and and to spin around and to you know take some walking tours via google to see actually what was there and and like i said there's lots of fields and irrigated areas and and uh trees and and you know one of uh one of the groups I came remember from or somebody had to cut down forests to be able to inhabit the land. So, you know, a lot of different geography there.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So our last question that we uh, typically end on is an application question. We've talked a little bit about some application uh, as always in the middle of our dialogue and conversation. Uh, But let's end with, you know, one big takeaway. How do you see this having importance to our lives today?
1: you know i got to thinking about that watching you know, as you watch the news especially this last couple of weeks with all of the the looting and the rioting and things that are going on and people trying to to uh, have peace marches but the but the you know the lawlessness that still exists and and uh, um, all of the things that seem to be contrary to to what we as christians would like to have people behave yeah uh, we still have to re- just remember that god continues to strengthen us to face that opposition so it's whether it's mental or physical we 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 can't be sucked into the world's negativity uh you know god's got his time in mind and our patience and our perseverance is kind of short compared to what what he has in mind for us much like the uh much like the israelites i can't even imagine you know being in bondage and all the things that they had to go through to finally get to the promised land and they're still fighting today so (laughs) it's uh yeah Faith, uh, faith is ongoing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and that's a good point. And, and I remember the the thing I was going to mention earlier was that you know when I look at the list of allotments and the the people, you know, it's very specific pieces of land and cities and 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 people, several people mentioned by name, and it reminds me that God is a God who actively involved Himself in history. And when we read these things, we we have to kind of remember that this was a particular cultural context at a particular time, and God acted in that way. Uh, and God is still acting today in our culture and our context. Now, a lot of times, I think maybe we we say, "Oh, culture the bad thing," but actually culture comes from God. And, and this is, we remember that this is God's world. This is the world that God made. Yeah, it's it's getting ruined by the brokenness that we bring into it. Uh, we're experiencing a lot of uh, difficulties and a lot of struggles for sure. But I like what you said in, in the fact and pointing out how the Israelites, even when they got into the land, they were still struggling um, The the fulfillment of God's promise was a process. And I I believe that that's that's what we call justification and sanctification. In justification, Mm -hmm. we are declared righteous right away. We have that guarantee of salvation, and that doesn't change. And yet, God is still bringing us closer and closer to that future glory, to the kind of people he wants us to be, and that is definitely... A process and we, so we know yeah we
1: know the end of the story but we're not there right yet.
0: exactly and so it is a process and we're experiencing that process right now the groaning of creation and god inching us even in our hearts and minds closer and closer to the people we're going to be when uh, jesus returns um, so awesome david it's been a pleasure uh, as always we end our show with a random question so Uh, My random question for you today is, I think a classic, and I don't think it's been used on the show yet. But if you could have dinner with any one historical person, uh, who would that be? Dead or alive? I guess people typically pick people who have died so yeah
1: (laughs) well one one very obvious one would be jesus and and that would be cool yeah but um a couple other comes to mind luther would be a great one to have a beer Mm -hmm. with and to sit and talk with and and uh, have some conversation about his thoughts and love to have dinner with peter sometime because i relate to his ups and downs and uh, and that would be that would be a cool dinner to have a conversation about uh well, how'd you screw up today? And uh, now what are you gonna
0: do? <laughs> so, so. Yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know who my person would be. I have, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, Paul would be an interesting one, definitely, in terms of a biblical, like person or, uh, you know, biblical person. I, mm-hmm. I think Moses would. Uh, mm, ooh, that yeah. would be interesting. Uh, I think in terms of, like, more, like, American history, I'd always mm-hmm. be interested to, like, be inserted into the time of, like, the Revolution and just experience, uh, like, people like George Washington or uh, Benjamin Franklin and just see what those people were actually like. That's just really Je- in- interesting. Jefferson, Jefferson
1: yeah. or even Grant during the Civil War or Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, right. that would be. Yeah. George Patton, Eisenhower, any of those guys would be interesting in those <laughs> times of war, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting because you see a lot of uh, depictions and uh ooh, I know. I would uh, be interested in maybe Julius Caesar. I know that uh, <laughs> y- there you know, you see on the internet sometimes like they try to do digital recreations of like how people would have actually looked. Uh mm-hmm. Julius Caesar is one of those Cleopatra, King Tut. Um, yeah, William Shakespeare. So just to be able to see some of those people and what they were really like, but I definitely, um, yeah. In terms of biblical uh, people, Moses uh, would be a strong one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yep. All right. Enjoyed it. Yeah, Appreciate it. Me too. And uh, as always, listeners, you can email your questions to Grow Up and Talk Podcast at gmail.com David, thank you so much.
1: Blessings, Beth. Thank
0: you. Awesome. Well, we will see you next time on the next episode. Peace.